Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opoluski, and a wonderful special guest. John, how are you doing today? Jim, I'm doing well. Uh, we had a great week of weather here in Michigan, followed by snow today. So <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a little chilly, but I'm doing good otherwise. Good, 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 good. And who is our special guest today? It's good to have this guy back. Well, man, we have a special uh, treat for all of our listeners and watchers today. Carl Vaders is uh, joining us. Uh, Carl has been on the podcast before, and uh, we got to meet Carl in person back in October of uh, 2022. He came up here to Michigan to do a conference for uh, small churches in uh, Michigan. And boy, that was a home run conference. One of the best conferences I've ever been to. I agree. And um, uh, we felt it was uh, a home run for all of the the pastors uh, and churches that were a part of that. Carl has a wonderful ministry. Uh, He focuses... uh, his, his, his area of focus is really on getting uh, small churches healthy, although it's he's not anti-big church. And so I just love the I just love the balance and the integration that he brings to the whole yeah. realm of helping churches be the best possible version of themselves they can be and getting healthy. So, Carl, I don't know if I did a good enough job introducing you. Carl's <laughs> the author of, I think, four or five books now. Uh, four and a half. The fifth one is being pushed out to, to my editor in the next month as we speak. And yeah, yeah, that was a, that was that was an extraordinarily kind introduction. Thank you. That was very very yeah. nice. Now, but it was funny. I'll, I'll echo that. I, it was it, there was just so many wonderful moments in that seminar, and and that came out of our last our first time we met with you as an interview. We hung up with John. I said, man, I, you know, this guy could really help so many people. I wonder if he come to Michigan and you kindly did. And it, it was, people are still talking about it, Carl. So I, I hope oh, that you'll well, be back again you. soon. And, and uh, I, I think right now I, I have to assume you're doing more of that or just, just catch us up. What, what are you up to nowadays? Yeah, it's, it's a very, very busy season. Like I say, I'm writing book number five, hoping to have that into the editor within the next month or so. He's wanting it earlier than that, but it's not happening yeah. for at least four to six weeks. <laughs> yeah. Because, yes, I'm also doing uh, way more traveling than I've ever done before. Um, it, it's, it, and it tends to be like what happened with you, where we have one conversation or one conference. Somebody says, hey, we'd like to follow up with that. And, or somebody else is in the room and says, hey, I'm overseer group. We'd love to have you speak for that. So I, I just continue to, you know, go where the Lord uh, leads and, and how he um, how he's the doors that he's opening for us to try to walk through. And uh, and now in the last uh, few years, we're trying to be far more proactive and really asking, OK, instead of just responding to what people are bringing to us, where do you want us to go? How would you like us to yeah. lead forward? And so we're working on some some serious things to be able to start being more proactive while also uh, responding to needs, but also being able to respond to needs far more accurately is the biggest part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of also's in that paragraph. A lot of there were. Oh, I, it was uh, not, not theologically, but maybe run on <laughs> sentence wise. I was a little apostle Paul in the answer. Yeah. yeah. Lots of commas. I don't think there was a period to the very end. Yeah. Right on. So Carol, uh, tell us about this new initiative uh, that you are, you're launching this year. I think you call it the road trip. I, I'm not sure if I've got that the right way or not, but uh, you had yeah, mentioned we're calling this it, to we're, me. We're, yeah. We're calling it the small church essentials road trip. 
I don't, when, we, when I was with you, I don't think we had come up with that official title uh, yet. Right. But yeah, uh, yeah, kind of piggybacking on what I just talked about. Uh, we, I've been doing this for 10 years now. I, I wrote The Grasshopper Myth 10 years ago. It came out and just really wrote the book because I felt like I needed to get these things off my chest kind of a thing. And uh, the response was overwhelming. And then the, re the requests for speaking engagements and for podcasts and for writing and so on kept coming in at a, just a, a dizzying pace, and it continues to increase every single year. Um, and then over a pandemic, we really had the chance to kind of sit down and start thinking and praying, Lord, what, what will we do next while well, we had some time to catch our breath? Uh, because obviously, we couldn't go to places for a while. And um, we started looking at what does it mean to be proactive? What is it that we can do in addition to responding to needs, but also taking a look at it and going, okay, Lord, where do you want to take this? What do you want us to do? And it was a, a renewal of our passion to reach small churches, uh, to help small church pastors particularly. Um, and then as we were looking at it, we realized the need is so great and our passion for this and God's call upon our lives is so significant that we need to make a couple of key changes. So key change number one for us is we will no longer be on staff here at our home church where I've been for 30 oh. years anymore. Yeah, that's a big, big change for us. Five yeah. years ago, we had a huge change, which was my youth pastor became my lead pastor right. Right. and I became a teaching pastor for him. And I just thought we would stay with that for good. Yeah. I didn't have any reason not to. And it has gone exceptionally well. It could not have gone better for the church, for us, for for him, right. for everybody. It's just been an extraordinary thing. Um, and now as we're looking at it, we're just realizing even that, even the the, the, the coming home and having some responsibility is just um, yeah. more than we can do if we really want to respond to this call the Lord has mm -hmm. put upon our hearts. Uh, basically, it's this. The church is being well cared for. They don't need me anymore. They don't because right. we've been able to disciple people who have taken my job over, which is the point. <laughs> uh, and he's doing it exceptionally well. And in some ways, I know he, he would not agree with my statement of this, but in some ways, it'll probably be good when I'm gone and he won't have the old guy looking over his shoulder. <laughs> he, he would not agree with that in any way whatsoever. <laughs> good. But I think there is something to that. You know, we work extremely well together, so there's no problems there at all. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 it's time. It's time. I, I am not needed at this church as much as I am needed on the road. Um, there are things that everything I do at the church, someone else can do better than me. Everything. Nice. The, the, the Lord has blessed us that way. Yeah. But the stuff I do on the road, most of what I do on the road, nobody else can do that stuff or has that particular combination yeah. of experience and skill and, and whatever it is that the Lord has put us into this moment for. So for you know, 20 years at the church, the Lord brought me here because I was the person for this time. And now I'm the person for a different time. So we're going to go on the road. We're going to start, um, in 2024, my wife, my wife and I are going to buy an RV and we're going to get on the road and we're going to stay in the RV and travel for the entire year of 2024. Wow. Uh, we're going to hit every major section of the country. We're going to be putting on events. We're going to call them ministry refreshers, uh, where the large event will be like a three or four day event where we'll come in and at the core of it will be like a conference. Uh, but built around it will be uh, times of rest and times of worship and times of fellowship. Uh, and just times to sit and eat and relax and to really be refreshed. 
We're also going to be working with Convoy of Hope to do some giveaways where pastors, we're going to tell pastors, bring your biggest pickup truck because on the last day, you're going to fill it up with so much stuff. You're not going to be able to haul it all home. We're going to, with material goods and supplies, we're getting a hold of publishers to uh, ask them, you know, you know, those really good leadership books that you have in the back of the warehouse, they're still good. They just don't sell anymore because those things tend to stop selling after about 18 months after they're out, even if they're still, yeah. even if it's timeless material, we want to take them off your hands and give them away to pastors who need them the most. So uh, by the way, everything I'm telling you right now is only for your consumption. Don't tell anybody else. <laughs> uh, we actually haven't started advertising this. So you're all getting a sneak peek at what's going to be coming soon. Um, so yeah. So, so we're going to get on the road. We're going to conduct events. We're going to give pastors a break. We're going to give away all kinds of stuff. We're hopefully going to raise funds to be able to help pastors and churches in need. We're going to put together a database on our website um, where pastors can help each other by doing pulpit fill-ins, by finding uh, cabins and retreat centers and campsites uh, that a pastor can go to for free for a week or for a month with their family to get away for free. Because quite for a lot of pastors right now, the only thing stopping them from getting a break is that they can't afford the cost of the hotel or the campsite or whatever. So we want to, we're, we got a whole bunch of stuff we want to put together to help pastors. And then in 2024, as we're on the road, we also then hope to really get a picture of the small church in America that nobody else has. Mm -hmm. And by the end of 2024, we will have a more accurate picture of the state of the small church in America to more accurately meet the need from 2025 and beyond. So that's wow. the plan. Wow. <laughs> just, a just a little bit going on. Yeah. In, in your free time. So it's, what's funny is now pushing out this book doesn't seem like that big of a deal now. You know, after, after everything you just said. It's. I, it is. It is. I, I have. I have the two of the biggest projects in my life happening at exactly the same time. Yeah, because yeah. the book. The book will be coming out in March of next year, just like three months on the road, and it's gonna. It's gonna hit, and um, yeah. In fact, just to give you a, a tease on that, the book, the, the working the working title um, is okay. "Desizing the Church," and that's probably going to be the final title. And the the premise of it is. Um, how did we get to the point where we, so where we are so obsessed with size, particularly in the American church? Where did that come from? So I actually take the first third of the book to actually walk through history Good. of how, what happened, what, what things came together from the, the unique American experiment uh, to as something as simple as the First Amendment, separation of church and state, how that caused uh, a, a situation in which the bigger churches got more money. Whereas in the countries that we left in Europe, the churches were on the tax rolls. So it didn't matter if you right. preached well or had a big crowd, you got the same amount of money either way. Wow. Right? Um, so that changed. And then Donald McGavern coming in uh, 40, 50 years ago with some church growth language. How did all that come together to the point where we have this obsession with bigness? So my problem is not with church growth movement or with church size, as you've mentioned, but it's with this disease of bigness, this obsession with bigness. Yeah. How did we get here? Why is it right. so dangerous? And how do we get out of the trap is what the book right. is about. Yeah, big, but at the expense of other things, right? We'll sell everything. Yeah to be big. That's the disease you're talking about. It's not. Yeah. yeah the, and, and it's a disease that inflicts small churches as well as big ones. The small yeah. church pastor who's uh, obsessed with bigness and then sits there in guilt and shame when the bigness doesn't happen. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the big church pastor who's obsessed with bigness and then is filled with pride when the bigness does happen. Uh, so it, it's, it's this chase after numbers 
um, yeah. th- that that is really causes problems in so many different places. So big churches, small churches are all great, but this obsession with bigness at the cost of other things is right. a real challenge. So yeah, I'm working all of that through while working on getting on the road. So yeah, <laughs> Carl, with you know, with with all of your I, all your travels, you now have a perspective. Uh, most of us have theories. Very few of us have theories and a perspective on the reality of those theories. What do you? There's some positive things happening. There's some negative things happening in the United States Church post COVID. Could you give sure. us a few positive things that you're seeing happening? And maybe after that, kind of the other the other bookend. What are you seeing as you travel around, talking to hundreds of pastors yeah. and going all these different places? The biggest positive, well, I'm going to give you the biggest positive and then remind me of the biggest surprise positive. Okay. Uh, the biggest positive uh, that I see is uh, it, it, the Lord has really helped me to be able to speak to uh, most denominations, quite frankly, if you, mm. you can name them from big ones to small ones, and I've been in them. And it is really wonderful to see the um, the strength of the body of Christ even as we're looking around at some of the problems and at, at, at you know church attendance drops and and so on, and some of the our our friends in certain denominations who are having real battles going on over over some yeah. real important issues, um, yeah. the closer you get to the person in the pew, the pro- closer you get to the small church in the small town, the more you still see a sincere, genuine mm-hmm. faith, a sincere belief in Jesus, a sincere desire to share that faith with others, a, a simple belief in and presentation of the gospel. And it's really easy for us to get overwhelmed by and discouraged by the headlines. But yeah. when you look behind the headlines, most of the scandal, most of the um, pulling away from basic Christian doctrine that some churches are struggling with right now, yeah. most of that is coming from uh, 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 high in academia and high in church hierarchical structure. Right. But the closer you get to boots on the ground, the healthier the church looks and yeah. the more sincere and simple it is. So that's that's that that's the thing that refreshes my spirit on a constant basis. So encouraging. Right. That, that's yeah. just so yeah. encouraging. I you know, Carl, I, I would relate it somewhat to uh what what we're seeing is there's real hunger. Yeah. For the Lord um at that level. Um yep. and and that that's exciting to me as well. Uh, yeah. That they're they're with everything that's going on in the world. You know, I think if you watch the news, you think everything's falling apart. You know, like yeah, it's crazy. everything's horrible, and yeah. yet we see this this incredible hunger cross denominationally. By the way, um, yeah. yep. at, at that at that at the person level, at the member level, at the at the seat, you know, pew level, and it's just. Yeah. It's just so exciting to me. It's so encouraging to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is. And and for me, I'm like I, I won't I won't name names. But we all we all know what they are. But you know, a couple of denominations right now that are having some real battles over some significant theological issues, and uh, you know, some of them that are just splitting into pieces over yeah. important issues. Yeah. Um, but when you again, when you go where I go and you sit with the pastors over lunch and you you hear what they're, where the where their heart is coming from. Um, one, the heartbreak that they have over the fact that 
some issues that we've always agreed on are now becoming divisive in some places is really discouraging. But the average pastor in the average church and the average person, they just still love Jesus, still want to move forward. And after this shakeout, there will be something that comes out of the dirt of that um, that will be renewing. Um, yeah. And I, I, have, I have every hopefulness for the future of the church. I think the center of the, I think, I know, the center focus of the church around the world has, is shifted, is shifting and has shifted from the white north to the dark south. And I, I mean that by skin color. I mean, white folks like us in the north, we are no longer the nexus for the church. We are no longer the main place that is sending missionaries and that is doing the primary preaching and teaching of the gospel to others. Uh, the, 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 the future and the current strength of the church is happening in Southern regions of the country uh, where people have much darker skin than ours and who speak a variety of languages other than English. And what God is doing there and what God will teach us through them has yet to be seen over the next generation or two. Right on. Now you said there was a surprise. I need to remind oh, you what the surprise yeah, was. Thank you. You did. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, the wonderful surprise that I'm seeing as I travel around is this. I was wrong on something. And it's awesome when that <laughs> happens. So I want to point it out. Uh, when we were mid-pandemic, we thought it was at the end. We kept thinking it was the end, and then it yeah. turned out not to be. But when we were actually mid-pandemic, you know, early 2021, mid-2021, I and almost everybody who does what I do was predicting that when pandemic was pretty much over. Over, we were going to see a massive exodus of pastors from churches because everybody was just holding on by the skin of their teeth yeah. and by their fingernails. Yeah. That has not taken place. This massive uh, mm. exodus has not taken place. Uh, so that is a real positive surprise. Um, they are stay. They are staying with it. And as I'm talking to people, there's a couple of reasons. One is, yes, they were talking about, I wish I could get out of here. Yes, this is frustrating. Yes, this is discouraging. If I could do something else with my life, I would. But as they sat and reassessed it, they realized they don't want to leave. They just, mm. they're just tired. This is a frustrating mm. and difficult right. season and they were tired and they don't want to leave. This is what they're called to do and they're sticking it out. So that is yeah. really okay. helpful. That's, and really that's positive. funny. That's, that's what John called on a previous podcast. As he and I were talking about it. If you can make it through July, Everything looks better in August and September. Just make it through July and before you make any big decisions, make it through the summer months. Yeah. 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 That's so, so that that's really positive. People are they're hanging in there, which yeah. Which right which on, also yeah. then which also then leads to one of the first challenges, which is everybody's exhausted. Um yeah. everywhere I go, yes. everybody is exhausted. It doesn't matter how big or small the church is, it doesn't matter how well or how poorly the church is doing. People really? are tired. This has been a very exhausting season and we're looking ahead at even more exhausting things ahead. And so one of the reasons we're getting on the road is because the shift, there's a shift happening for 10 years now. My primary purpose for doing this ministry is to bring small church specific resources to pastors who need it. Yeah, that is still needed, but leapfrogging over that and above that now, more than resources, pastors are needing rest. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. They just need a break. Right. Uh, three, four weeks ago on my Facebook timeline, there was an, uh, a, a notice by a pastor. And you know, every once in a while, Facebook will say, hey, on this date five years ago, and here's your little anniversary pin. Yeah. And he did that for a five-year-ago post. And he said, this came up today, and it reminded me that five years ago, I made the worst decision I've ever made in ministry. I left a church I love and should have stayed at. Mm -hmm. And I would have stayed if I'd been able to figure out a way to get away for a month and just get some rest. 
Right. Right. And that repeats over and over and over yeah. and over again. So this is one of the reasons why when we go on the road in 2024, we're calling our events, they're not conferences, workshops, or seminars, they're refreshers. Yeah. And right. that's not just a, a, a change of terminology. We want to give them a chance to slow down. We want to help give them um, pulpit breaks. And, you know, like I said, re resources and places, campsites and so yeah. on. And if you know of a campsite that'll give away a week for free or a month for free, if you know someone who owns a cabin that they don't use for half the year, um, yeah. we want to we put these resources together in a database that pastors and their families can use. We want to be able to give them material resources, um, chances to slow down, chances to connect with pastors in their region so they can sit down over coffee every once in a while and just yeah. cry on each other's shoulder because sometimes that's yeah. just the break you need that day. Um, yeah. So trying to bring a place of rest to pastors who are stressed is right now a higher need than uh, a new method, a new idea, a new system. You know, I, I wonder sometimes if, if uh, I'm thinking in a vacuum on that particular subject and Jim and I talk about this, we, you know, we, we noticed the exhaustion and, and burnout uh, being in my mind, higher than I've ever seen it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to have you pretty much tell us that this is what you're seeing. Um, I, I hate, I hate being right about stuff, you know, like that, because I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. And sometimes I, I feel like, am I, am I beating that drum too much? But to have you come and tell us, look, this is what you're seeing as you travel. Yep. It just re it reaffirms in our hearts the 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 need for us to address it. I get asked to talk on burnout more now than I ever have. When somebody right. has me come speak, what do you want me to talk about? I want you to talk about burnout. Yep. And uh, and so, um, you know, Carl, I, I know that what you're going to be doing. Is going to is going to help, but but from a like a comprehensive perspective, what do we what can we do about that? I mean, what do you think, pastors? Like there are pastors, I'm sure, that are listening and watching today. They're on the edge of that, or they're there. They're they're in the middle of it, and you know, 2024 is a while away for them to be a part of one of your events. What what can they do? I mean, from your perspective. Yeah. I, I, to me, I think there are two real keys, Sabbath and discipleship. Um, okay. So Sabbath, first of all, we need to be far more intentional about <clears throat> Sabbath. Um, it, you know, it, it's this you know old saying, it's the only one of the commandments that we get congratulated for breaking on a regular basis. Right. Um, you know, I, I spoke at a very large conference a few years ago in one of the workshops. And one of the first questions that was asked was, why my church isn't growing and we're doing this and we're doing this. We're all working seven days a week doing this. And he paused and he looked at me and he said, what should I do? I said, and first words out of my mouth, I didn't mean it, but I, I meant it when I said it, but I didn't know it was going to come out. This first words out of my mouth, I heard myself say this, well, first of all, your staff needs to stop sinning. And like the whole room just started back. I said, you just told me you're working seven days a week. That's sinful. Um, That's, you, you know, I, I, I get Sabbath is Old Testament. Everybody's got their own views on that. But Jesus reiterated <laughs> that the Sabbath was made for us. Yeah. Right. How, how you keep the specific day, all of those legalisms, that's a separate issue. But the one, the break of one in seven is in God's top 10 list. And it was done for our good. 
and we are we we are we are burning ourselves out by working seven days a week. We are being congratulated for it. And if you take a look at um, the Jewish practice of Sabbath, while it absolutely was true that by the time of Jesus, the Pharisees had taken it to a ridiculously legalistic and unhealthy extreme, we swung that pendulum way back far, too far to the other end. Yeah. And in the middle of it, I think there's something we can learn from our Jewish brothers and sisters today. If you take a look at faithful Jews today, who what they do on Shabbat, when they close everything down at, at sunset on, on Friday uh, until sunset on Saturday, and take a look at what sincere, believing, um, practicing Jewish people often, and some of our Messianic Jewish friends as well. I'm not saying we need to do that ceremonially. That's not the point. But if you take a look at the break that it gives them in their week, and that they do it all together as a community and as a family, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it's hard to Sabbath on your own. It's virtually impossible to Sabbath on your own. Oh, right. if everybody else around you is running, but we've got a culture now where you've got to find your own. But if you can, if you can intentionally Sabbath, and then two, intentionally Sabbath with your family, at least with your spouse, yeah, and do it together. Intentional Sabbath on a regular basis. It's for our own good. God gave it to us, and breaking it is not just simply working yourself hard, but is in fact living outside of God's will for your life, and therefore it cannot be successful. Right. So Sabbath is the first one, and the second one is discipleship. Discipleship fixes every problem you've got. Mm. <laughs> I can make that declarative a statement about it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Discipleship fixes everything. Think about a problem in the church. And I dare you to think of a problem in your church or in your life as a pastor that is not fixed by discipleship. Not enough finances in the church. Discipleship fixes that. Immorality in the church. Discipleship fixes that. Too busy a schedule, pastor. Discipleship fixes that. If you disciple your people to disciple other people, <laughs> you will not be as busy. Yeah, there, there is, there is simply not a problem in the church that discipleship isn't the fix for, and it makes sense because that's that's the command that Jesus gave us: go and make disciples, <laughs> not converts, not build churches, <clears throat> not create denominations, not work yourself to death. Make disciples. Uh, you know, I, I use a phrase in my talks: bigger fixes nothing, and that's true. Bigger fixes nothing. Discipleship fixes everything. Yeah. Boom. So you're basically a plagiarist. You're taking all this Bible stuff and actually doing it. I think, I think that's the uh, you know, no new material, Carl. We we're expecting the latest. Yeah, thing. You know, I all your, all your I, at least I steal from the best. <laughs> right on, right on. But isn't that great though? I mean, you're the, what yeah. you're saying is the key to success is hey, Jesus has this right. You know, God, yeah. God has this right. Let's just do what we're told and not add. Like they added to the the Sabbath laws, we're adding to this oh, growth series of laws, and, it, and it's it's such a you know Jesus was a failure because he healed a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath day. It's like what are you what are you talking about? How did you get how did you I get know. there from it's that? Hilarious! It is. It's so weird. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Every every time every time I read the Gospels, whenever it says and it was the Sabbath in my head, I've got that that uh, movie uh, thriller music in the back of my head. Dun, dun, dun. Something yeah. bad is about to go down because, and it was the Sabbath. We know there's going to be trouble here. Jesus is about to do something awesome and they're going to get mad. This is going to be a great showdown. Yeah. You know, Carl, I, I would love it. I know our time is running out, John, if I'm, if I'm mistaken, yeah. but so yeah. many, when you did that seminar in October, there were so many nuggets. Would you stick around for another show just to, just to help us digest various things that you said that, that are still being said all over the Michigan network 
like, can, can we just pick your brain to get like maybe a level or two deeper than those statements? Would you come back? So now you're asking episode? me to plagiarize myself? Yes. I previously was stealing from the best and now I'll just steal for myself. So I'm not there sure where go. that goes. Yeah, I'll stick around. Let's do that. <laughs> Dan, are we good to close then? Is this, is this it? Yeah. Farrell, what's the best way for, I'll just ask this and then Jim yeah. will wrap up. What's the best way for those that are listening or watching uh, to get a hold of your ministry if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, go to carlvaders.com. Everything is there. On, uh, I'm Carl Vaders on all social media uh, outlets as well. Great. And Carl's spelled with a K. That makes it easier to yeah. find you. And Vaders with a T in the middle and an S on the end, all those. Yeah, it's yeah, well, okay. You're, somebody, you're, whoever is listening, you're going to misspell at least one of my names at some point. <laughs> right, right. You have to buy eight domain names so they get at least one of them right when you. Yeah, when at you, least you two, we have, have first names that don't get misspelled. I know I know you got to struggle with your last names, but at least your first yeah. names don't get misspelled. I get both. Yeah. Well, hey, we're looking forward. I, I, you guys may or may not know this, but Carl's from Southern California. So when he has motorhome, he actually means a Volkswagen bus. It's going to it's going to have all sorts of Grateful Dead paintings on the side of it, and it's coming to an event near you real soon. And uh, oh, the great, the it grateful, might be cheaper to buy an actual RV than to find one of yeah, those. Yeah, you should call it the Grateful Living Tour. You know what I mean? You're going to do that instead of that. That would be a lot of fun. So, Carl, thanks so much for being here, and our, and our dear watchers and listeners, as you know. If there's anything that we can do to help you along this journey, you know, to, to lead, to serve, to love, to, to make it, to be healthy, to enjoy it, to, to be effective. And that's that's what we're here to do. So uh, ConvergeCoach.com, reach out to us. We'll be there uh, with a half hour of our time to sit there and talk about how we can help you or maybe send you in a direction where we know you can get some help. So we love you guys. God bless you. Live long and prosper as you continue to lead from alignment.